All right, uh, let's get started, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome aboard. This is Justin, your host of the Wealthy Sports Lounge. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Defender Gear for 15% off your first order. Click the link in the description uh, to get yourself some uh, American patriotic apparel, hats, hoodies, ball caps, all that good stuff. Uh, 15% off. Click the link in the description. I believe the uh, affiliate 15 is the discount code. Go ahead and grab you some gear on defendergear.com. So, all right. I am joined by uh, my cousin, JK from the South, JK Lockhart. How you doing, man? What's up? Hey, uh, so I had my, uh, I had, so I don't mean to say this to make you feel bad, but I, I think the writing was on the wall that we had to do a show tonight because I had an in-person regular episode scheduled tonight and that canceled okay. on Tuesday. And then I rescheduled my NFL show to today and yesterday Tyler canceled on me. So shout out to Tyler, you giant donut. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he forgot that he was going to a Weird Al concert tonight. So. <laughs> nice. so while he's at the Weird Al concert right down the road from here, I am. Uh, so my third option, JK, I was like, all right, well, this is this is a sign from the heavens that we need to get on here and talk some baseball. So this is my first baseball episode this year. So very glad to have you on and uh, talk some Braves here. Yeah, it's a good time of year to talk baseball. Yeah, not much else going on. NFL still kind of in the, you know, the drudge of the preseason where, you know, the points don't matter and the game doesn't count. What's that sh- that line from whose line is it anyway? Yeah. <laughs> the scores the made up and the points don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is meaningful baseball time if you uh you're fortunate enough to have a team that's playing, yes. you know, good baseball right around now, so. Yeah, and I'm one for two. Um, my national league team, obviously being the Braves, my hometown Motown heroes have been absolute, like absolutely terrible this year. I'll, I'll kick off with that so we can end on a good note, but I have been, I have never been more disgusted with a pro sports organization in my entire life. And I don't know if like you've ever felt this way about the Braves. I'm sure you probably had some feelings back in the, in the nineties when they were one of the greatest teams of all time. And then they choke in the playoffs. Like, but this is like a different, like that, that to me is like, like um, there's so much emotion that goes into that. But for this, it's just like, like a dull rage with what's been going on with the Tigers for the last seven years. Because back in 2016, they, they trade away Justin Verlander. They trade away, um, uh, basically their whole staff, Ian Kinsler yeah. still had some good baseball left. Um, I'm Wasn't trying to... Scherzer in that rotation at some point. Scherzer too? walked as a free yeah. agent, but yes, yeah. the, the Tigers had at one point on their lineup in their, their starting five was, uh, Verlander, Scherzer, um, David Price was in there kind of towards the wow. tail end of his career. He didn't really contribute that much. Yeah. Um, uh, Anibal Sanchez was one of them, right. I believe. And there's a fifth one that I'm, that, that escapes me right now, but so, uh, he's, he's in the he's a still, solid top three slash four. I mean, Anibal Sanchez is a two or three. Yeah, for sure. Teams. Yeah. I'm going to picture in 2015. It's going to bug me if I, if <laughs> I don't get it right. So Cabrera um, too, right? Yeah, Miguel Cabrera in his prime. Um, it like it was so so anyway, and basically what it come down came down to is the owner died and um didn't want and and so he had spent money for years ever since 06, um, when they turned it around and um you know, took, you know, they, Oh three, I think they set the major league baseball record for most losses in a season. And then an Oh six there in the world series. So they right. turned it around really quickly. Um, yeah. brought in hall of famers like Miguel Caprera, um, Pudge Rodriguez and went on an absolute tear. Um, and then for the next few years that it was like 10 years of really good baseball that they that they were playing. Um, they didn't, they won the central, I don't know, four or five years in a row always competitive. Um, unfortunately never won a world series, but they, I think they made the world series twice and the ALS, ALCS, I don't know, four or five times. So it was like a really good run for that organization. And then they had a fire sale with the idea of this was going to be a, you know, this is going to be a rebuild and enters Alavila. And my God, if they didn't fire that man this year, like 
it's it yeah. would it was it's just been brutal because and I, are are you too, I know probably the most of what you hear about the tigers is from me bitching at you right is that pretty <laughs> accurate a little bit i mean i'm i'm i've gotten to watch a lot more baseball this year you know we're talking about my career change so mm-hmm. um i've gotten a little bit more time at home and i've been able to watch a little bit more baseball um i'm pretty engrossed with the braves um and in the nl east um just cuz that's that's just kind of my you know my sweet spot but um yeah, I mean, playoff time is typically whenever I start, you know, or this last little stretch, you know, last 40, 45 games where, uh, you know, you start kind of looking at, you know, what teams you're going to have to play. It was interesting to see uh, the Braves played the Astros a couple of days ago in a little series at home. And uh, up until then, I mean, a lot of my friends down here in Louisiana are, are Astros fans. I had no idea that the Astros had the best record in the AL until they came to Atlanta mm-hmm. just because it's mostly I'm, I'm covered up with, you know, national league, but yeah. you know, rebuilds are tough, man. And it's, it's one of the main gripes, you know, that a lot of baseball fans have it, it. It's very painful on the fans and there's never really any guarantee that you pull yourself out of that rebuild. You know mm-hmm. I mean? Look at the Royals are a great example. You know, they won that world series they had a great young core of mm-hmm. players. And uh, they started a rebuild and they've been rebuilding ever since. Yep. Um, there's never any guarantee that, you know, the rebuild is going to work. The Cubs are another one, man. Mm-hmm. Like I have a ton of friends that are uh, Cubs fans and you look at, you know, they had a, they had a great young core and the difference I think between those teams and what the Braves are trying to put together right now is that they're not able to lock up those young players for extended contracts um, while they're young and just kind of keep that clubhouse that, you know, that little youth movement that they've got whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody that's able to harness that, you know, those, those teams. And then of course you've got your, you know, your death star Yankees, mm-hmm. Dodgers, you know, spend whatever amount of money we need to, sure. but, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I wasn't really as familiar with the tigers in their run, but I mean, you hear those, they have pieces, you know, every single year they have pieces through that run. They weren't able to put it together, but not being right. able to, capitalize whenever they have those pieces all together. It's, you know, and then you go through the rebuild, like we said, you know, there's never any guarantee that you're going to be able to pull out of that rebuild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the fifth pitcher that I was forgetting about Rick Porcello, pretty sure okay. he won a Cy, Cy Young three or four years ago, or he was yeah, very close he had to some it. Good, yeah. He had some good late career innings uh, or late career years at uh, the Red Sox. Yep. I think. Yeah. He played yeah. really well up in Boston traded him yeah. away for a sack of Klondike bars. So, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, incredibly frustrating um, because what we got in return for um, uh, Justin Verlander is a third baseman that's not hitting his weight and he's a defensive liability and a, uh, a backup catcher who had Tommy John last year and missed this entire season. Like that's, yeah. that was our haul for Justin Verlander. Um, it's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to watch, and you see the numbers that he's putting up this year. He, Justin Verlander will probably win the AL Cy Young this year. I'd I'd put money on that. Um, yeah, and he's my age. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Old wild. Thirty nine. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. Yeah, he's. I think he's. Is he thirty nine? I thought he was in his forties. He's if if he's not forty, he's pretty damn close. So yeah, he's old as dirt. <laughs> He shouldn't be pitching the way he's pitching. No, as old as he's, he it's a, I have a hard time getting out of bed. It's a free, he's a freak of nature. It's unbelievable. So, um, so yeah, anyway, and then bringing in Javi Baez, you know, uh, a flashy shortstop. Um, that's one of the streakier players in MLB because we saw him get traded away from the Cubs and he went on an absolute tear last year towards the end of the season. Anyway, um, didn't really do much. Did the Mets even make the playoffs last year as a wild card? No, I don't think they did. No, they kind of choked choked it away at the end. But yeah, that's um, typically what they do. This Mets team is built differently, but yeah, mm-hmm. they uh, yeah, the, okay. that's that's the main main gripe of Mets fans is that the Braves never lose. Yep, <laughs> that that is very true. So let's move on to a team that is more fun to talk about: the Atlanta Braves. So, <laughs> what is your um? You know, we're at probably you know we're playing meaningful baseball games right now. You mm-hmm. know, yep. and you know. My, by the way, my standard for my, my expectations for the Tigers this year was that they could be playing meaningful baseball games at the beginning of August. Mm-hmm. And uh, they haven't played a meaningful baseball game since May. 
but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it's painful. Yeah. We had a rebuild, uh, we had a rebuild whenever Anthopolis, you know, our, our general manager before Anthopolis is actually banned from baseball because of some shady stuff that he did down in the, uh, Latin America with the, the draft and the prospects down there. How much do you and, know about uh, that? Um, I know that the culture was very different back then. I don't know exactly what he did. Um, the main, the, the fans that follow the team really closely, we were really afraid. This was when Acuna was maybe, uh, 17, 18, 19, something like that. I mean, they, they got the rights to him when he was a teenager. He was like 16 maybe or something when they drafted him. And the main fear of Braves fans was that MLB was going to make the Braves forfeit Acuna out of that whole deal. I don't know if what happened had anything specifically to do with him or whether it was just the way that they were conducting things down there. But um, it got the general manager, uh, they called him copy. They got him banned from baseball. John Hart went back to a cush job at MLB Network for a year. Mm -hmm. And then Anthopolis, for whatever reason, my friends and I still can't figure out why he left Toronto Mm -hmm. to come to Atlanta. But God bless him for doing that because best GM in baseball for my money. Um, I would, I would argue, I think you could make an argument based on at least the last two years or so that I've really been closely following the Braves. Uh, You could make an argument best GM in professional sports. He's, he's solid. I think you have to tip your cap to the brave scouting and development team too, Mm -hmm. though, because a lot of these kids that are coming up, they've made some key trades at the trade deadline, but the core is always developed from within where they made trades whenever like Dansby was a first round pick for the diamondbacks and they fleeced the diamondbacks Mm -hmm. that trade that they made with the diamondbacks to get Dansby Swanson to the Braves cost the GM and the coach, their job for signing (laughs) off on that. (laughs) Um, They were both fired that same year when it was obvious that they had just gotten fleeced. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, hat tip. I mean, he's built, he's built a solid core, but then you've got guys like Snit that have been in the organization for 40 plus years that are, you know, he's having a chance to coach a lot of the guys that he developed in the minor leagues mm-hmm. now, you know, at the big league level too. So Yeah. That's such a fun experience to see his journey too, because being yeah. a minor league coach for 30 years as that is a, that is not an easy job. Mm-hmm. And to see yeah. him actually like get rewarded and be able to not only come up to the big leagues and coach for the organization that he grew up in, but to, you know, do as well as he has. So, um, so going back to real quick, um, uh, the, their, their young core, not only the GM bringing those guys in and identifying them, but a lot of them are on really team friendly deals. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you think it is about, uh, like Acuna on an eight year, hundred million dollar deal when he's one of the, you know, he's, it's funny because he's having a down year this year because you can obviously tell that he's mm-hmm. not a hundred percent healthy that, right. I mean, that, that knee of his is, it's not right. And, right. but he's still performing at a very high level. Um, you know, but he's on an eight year, hundred million dollar deal. Like, you know, Austin Riley just signed for a 10 year deal. I would say under market value for what his numbers are producing. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. that's the biggest, the, the contract that Riley signed is the richest contract in the history of the organization. Really? Yep. He signed, I think his average at, at the, the life of that deal, his average is going to come out to around 22 million. Mm-hmm. And that's the richest contract in the history of the organization. Wow. Richard Chipper, Maddox. Now, I mean, baseball was different back in the nineties whenever some of those guys were playing, but yeah, yeah. Um, definitely team friendly. There's a, there's a thought too. I mean, the big piece obviously that's left for this season is Dansby Swanson Mm -hmm. and they've opened talks with him, but you know, anybody that you talked to this time last year, you know, thought that Freddie Freeman would retire as the first baseman of the Braves Mm -hmm. and uh, they're going to be playing against him in the playoffs at some point. Yep. Um, So, but I think when you look at, when you look at long-term, I think that the Braves are going to actually be happier with the way that that deal played out a couple of years from now, whenever Matt Olson's, you know, three years younger than him Mm. still performing, obviously Freeman is Freeman. He's having a great year. He's going to have a great year, but um, the Braves are going to get more value out of that position Mm -hmm. down the road than they would have if they had re-signed him. But to me, Dansby is the, is the piece that you just can't let walk. Um, 
you know, the, the main thing that they've, the main reason why these guys are signing these team friendly deals is because they want to stay with the organization. And that has to do with culture, you know, and the culture is, you know, from the minor leagues and it goes all the way up to the, you know, to the big league team, but you can't let cultural pieces continue to walk out of your clubhouse, like Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson and expect it to hold together. Mm -hmm. You know, you still need those veteran, you know, that presence in the clubhouse. And it's not the same, you know, with a, you've got veterans like Kenley Jansen in the bullpen. It's not the same in the, you know, in the dugout, you know, Kenley's sitting in the bullpen waiting on the ninth inning. I mean, you ground in the dugout for, you know, who are your senior leaders? You've got to look to a guy like Dan Swanson. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, I, I, if you had put a gun to my head, I would have bet my life savings that Freddie Freeman would have signed with the Braves last season and I would have lost everything that I own. So (laughs) put a gun to my head again this year. I think that the Braves would re-sign him, but again, you know, Anthopoulos continues to amaze and he continues to pull these, these rabbits out of hats, but anybody that's ever played sports, there's just something about the locker room. Whenever you're on a team that just has Mm -hmm. that, you know, that little, you know, together feel, and uh, you can't just replicate that. You can't expect to let guys like that out of your clubhouse and continue to duplicate it year after year. Yeah. And I think that to, to be honest, what I, my opinion on the whole thing, I, if they don't get a deal done before the end of the season with Dansby, I think that somebody's going to come in and and throw three hundred at him, ten years, three hundred at least, and they're and I don't think the Braves would match something like that. Mm-hmm. So, no. so yeah, they, I mean, I, the part of what part of what's encouraging for me is I feel like they're getting all these deals done, Michael Harris and Riley and guys like that. They're getting those deals done so they know exactly how much money they have. Yeah. You know, and so they can go to him and they can just say, look, this is what we've got. Yep. Um, Because you get you get into that, you know, that back and forth area. And you're right. I mean, at some point during the regular season, even the focus has to shift towards building towards the playoffs and all that kind of contract stuff just has to hit the, you know, the the back seat until the season's over with. But as soon as the season's over with, he's a free agent Mm -hmm. and he can hear offers from anybody. And he's got the same exact agent as Freddie Freeman does. So you never really want to put yourself in that situation twice. The new, the new agent that Freddie has or the one that Freddie fired? The same guy that Freddie fired. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. So I don't want to dwell on this real quick. So I want to start talking some numbers here, but what do you think about that whole situation that went down when Freddie fired his agent? Because there was allegedly information withheld uh, from Freddie. So based on what, Based on what I've heard and what I know, the inf- the information that came out about the timing was what was very suspect because he came back for the first homestand, Dodgers Braves, and he fired his agent like maybe a day or two after he leaves Atlanta. So right. the you know you're reading the tea leaves, you think you know he waited till he got back to Atlanta. He had some conversations with the Braves brass. The Braves told him that they made a counteroffer. And, you know, he had never heard of that counteroffer, which means that his agent never gave him the, the offer from the Braves. Mm-hmm. And so things happened. And then, you know, the Braves ended up signing Matt Olson so they wouldn't get, you know, or they traded for Matt Olson yep. so they wouldn't get stuck. Um, my understanding is that that part of the story is false. Um, that was, and I think that... From what I understand, that guy, whoever that was that broke that story, is getting sued by that agent because oh. that's not. But what apparently did happen was it was a there was just very bad communication. Part of it was due to the fact that Anthopolis was trying to do everything by the book because the guy that was the GM before him had literally been banned from baseball for breaking rules. So he wanted to do everything possible by the book, mm-hmm. which means he didn't want to communicate during the lockout because there was a lockout after mm-hmm. the season was over with and everything happened pretty quickly, you know, as soon as, you know, the lockout ended and he was always the big piece of the off season that was going to have to fall before all the other free agent contracts were kind of waiting on whatever was going to happen with him to happen. Um, but yeah, I think that Freddie was not a hundred percent transparent. I think that it's obvious to everybody that's kind of followed the story and watched, you know, the tears and the, 
press conferences and the tributes and all this other stuff that happened whenever he came back to Atlanta. He wanted to be in Atlanta. It was a very awkward situation for him, for the Braves, and especially for the Dodgers, you know, because the Dodgers have the best record in baseball. Why would you not want to be on the Dodgers, you know, mm-hmm. unless you just want to be in Atlanta? Um, I think that he made a mistake by not telling his agent, get me the best possible deal you can get me, but make sure I stay in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I think that if he had been 100% upfront with his agent about that and been very direct and to the point, I think he'd still be the first baseman for the Braves. But he wasn't, and I think that his agent did what his agent does. Mm-hmm. And I think that his agent made a very bad error because the part of the story where he gave the Braves GM an ultimatum was true from what I understand. He called the GM and he said, you have 24 hours to accept one of these two offers or we're going to sign with whoever. And And at that point they weren't willing to do it and they decided to move on. Yeah. And Chipper and Chipper and Freddie are very good friends. And my understanding and Chipper was on a podcast that I listened to. And he specifically said, I told Freddie, Alex is a good GM. He wants, he wants you to be with the Braves, but do not paint them into a corner because he will do his job. Mm-hmm. If you make him do his job, he will do his job. And he's not just going to sit there and wait on you. Like there's no other players that can play first base. Mm-hmm. He'll make you a fair offer. And Chipper notoriously took less money to stay in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He could have left and signed those, you know, one of those big deals a couple of times. And he continued to take those, you know, hometown deals because he wanted to stay in Atlanta. He wanted to retire brave. That could have been there for Freddie if he wanted it. You know, I think the Dodgers are wildly happy mm-hmm. with what they have because yep. they have the best record in baseball. I think the Braves are fine with where they're at. Um, so eventually it's not going to be a story, but it's especially that first weekend back in Atlanta, it was very awkward. So yeah. that's my understanding of the way that everything went down. But the, the part of the story where uh, apparently it was, there was something that was said where the Braves made a counter offer and his agent never gave it to him. My understanding is that part of the story is not accurate. I I agree. And that, and I think it that was probably taken out of context because, um, because let's say you have a, what makes sense to me, what could have happened is the fact that, um, Freddie was dug in at, at on a certain number and that's what his agent was dug in on. And like, like you said, the clock was ticking and mm-hmm. Freddie was dug in and, and, but like what, again, like what you said, wasn't explicitly clear that I want to stay in Atlanta and yeah. the Braves had to make a decision and they did. So that makes yeah. perfect sense. I think he told us, I think he told his agent, he was hung up on that sixth year. He wanted a six year contract. The Braves were offering five. And there, that was where they were always stuck. It didn't have as much to do about the money as it had to do with that year. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, if he had been specific with his, with his agent and said, look, you know, get me the best deal you can possibly get me, but make sure that I stay in Atlanta, I think it'd still be a break. Oh, so I think, I think Freddie needs to, you know, I, I don't think it, it would ever happen, but I think Freddie needs to stand up and acknowledge the fact that, you know, he didn't do his agent any favors by, you know, agent's responsibility is to get the best deal that they can for their player. Anyways, yep. But I think he was ever really specific about keep me in Atlanta. Yeah. All right. Moving on. So this topic right here is in, so we're going to kind of do a devil's advocate section here. So um, yeah. why do you think the Braves are going to win the, the NL East? Wow. Um, well, I can tell you, well, so we're going to do the part where why they aren't going to win. Do you want to do that right. part first? Well, it depends. There, there are way more reasons why they won't win the East than why they will win the East. But okay. there are a couple of good ones why they will win the okay, East. Okay, let's start with that. So the first one, the, the Braves have historically, there's a, if you ever play poker, there's a there's a term in poker where you know you could be playing against somebody heads up, just you and them, and you just have better cards than them. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter how you play your hand; it just matters, you know, that you have better cards in your hand. So as long as you don't do anything stupid, you're going to win. Mm-hmm. That that term is called holding over another player, like you're holding better cards than the other player. There's there's a, something in the Mets' head historically, year after year, where the Braves are always holding over the Mets. 
the Mets could have a lead. They could have, they, they come out of the gate on fire and they fold every single year. Mm -hmm. And it's getting tight again. It's gotten tight a couple of times, Mm -hmm. but it's, it feels a little bit different this time, you know, because every time it got tight early, it was always, you know, the Braves were on some sort of a heater where they won 14 straight, you know, that was never going to last, you Mm -hmm. know, baseball ebbs and flows, you know, um, so I think that is the big one. I do think that there's a lot to be said. We'll get to this part too, but the Mets are built differently this year than they have historically. They have a different group of leaders and they have a better manager than they have had before. Buck Walter is much more even keel. So I don't know that that's necessarily the most important part. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing that could really bite the Mets, and it sounds funny because they've been without Jacob deGrom for a good portion of this season, mm-hmm. but guys like deGrom are always, and Scherzer, because we saw Scherzer got dead arm last year, those guys are one pitch away from being done. Yep. And they have a better, the Mets have a better three, four, five, and even six than they used to before. But those top two, you run those top two out against anybody in baseball and you're going to have either an edge or you're going to be even. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any any top two pitchers anywhere in the league that are going to match up any better than those top two guys. I agree. But again, you know, DeGrom is built off of he's a tall, skinny guy that throws 101 mm-hmm. and that's a lot of stress on his arm mm-hmm. and he can't. They've tried actually to get him to scale it back and throw 95 or 96 yeah. and try to save his arm. He can't control the ball unless he's throwing a hundred percent force, hundred yeah. percent exertion. So um, that's a big one. Um, one. One thing to comment on that real quick. D- DeGrom is also a two pitch pitcher. He has mm-hmm. a fastball and a slider and he doesn't have a third pitch to go to. So if they can, like if there's a high leverage game that, you get a batter, you know, 101 is hard to hit, but you time it up and you guess fastball and you guess right. You know, there's six guys in the Braves lineup that are going to put that, you know, 500 feet over center field. Yeah. And the Braves approach to the Mets have a completely different approach at the, at the plate than the Braves do. The Braves are built off of power. They try to hit home runs. Mm-hmm. The Mets are, an, are a throwback team. They're scrappy. They sacrifice bunt. They make, they work the count. Yeah. You know, their leadoff hitter will come up and he'll, he'll work an 11 pitch walk or ground out. I think the Mets, I don't know if it was just against the Braves. I think it was just against the Braves because it's been maddening this year, but I think 16% of the Mets hits this year against the Braves have been infield hits. Haven't left. Oh my gosh. That's just crazy. Nuts. Yeah, but they're a throwback team and it works for them. I mean, they have a great record. They have a great team. Um, They're just built a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Um, The difference is the Braves, when the Braves went to their five game series, they lost four or five in New York. And it kind of felt like, you know, okay, Uh they might just be playing for a wild card spot, but they regrouped and they changed their approach. When the Mets came back uh, to Atlanta, I think it was a four-game series. The Braves took three or four, and they looked like a completely different team at the plate. And yep. they they played against Max and Jacob deGrom, and they beat one of them. Mm-hmm. So they weren't overmatched like they looked like they were in New York. Um, so the way that the Braves approach both of those guys, you know, you've got a guy out there that's throwing max effort 101 miles an hour. You're pesky like the Mets hitters, and you foul off a couple of pitches, and you run him up to 20 you know, 22, 23 pitches in an inning, he's going to get gassed. Yep. Um, the other big thing with DeGrom, too, is he's already very publicly said that he's going to probably opt out of his contract in New York at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. You have to wonder, is he committed to the team, A, and B, is he going to risk the health of his arm whenever he's going to opt out of a big contract because the Mets owner will spend some money. Mm-hmm. Is he going to opt out of a big contract to try to sign a bigger contract whenever he has a history of being hurt? Mm-hmm. Uh, is he going to protect his arm down the stretch or is he going to go all out like he does? So, And on um, the flip side of that, Max Scherzer might be one of maybe three total MLB pitchers that have the stones to tell their manager to kick rocks when they come out <laughs> to take him out in, yeah. in the seventh inning. 
Um, so it would be an interesting scenario to see if, you know, we're in a high leverage situation, maybe in the seventh or eighth inning, maybe sixth mm-hmm. inning, maybe even. And the the correct thing to do would probably be go, be to go to the pen. Maybe you've got a lefty-lefty matchup that you like or something like that. Yeah. But Max Scherzer convinces Buck Walter to keep him in the game and things could get interesting. Yeah. You never know. And if, if you make me pick between the two, obviously, Max has looked like a different – I mean, he's always – he's a Hall of Famer, but he's looked like a different pitcher this year. He's pitched – he's been on a mission. Like, you can even see it in his face. Mm-hmm. He could be pitching, you know, against the Marlins or, you know, a team that's just not competitive at all. And he looks like a psychopath. He, on the he is. Like he's about to murder somebody. He's been that way for years. He, he, he yeah. was that way with the Tigers. Yeah. If you he's ever just, if you ever want to like take uh, some t- if you ever want to go down memory well for me it would be going down memory memory lane you probably don't give a shit but um <laughs> go watch the I think it was the ALDS I believe back in 2013 14 somewhere in that time frame where okay. Max Scherzer came out of the bullpen in the 8th inning bases loaded nobody out and I think the Tigers were up by one and he got out of that bases loaded jam in the eighth inning. And yeah. just like you could see like the, the 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 psycho in his in his face the entire time he's out there pitching and going into the dugout just screaming, like excited. It was it was it's pretty cool. So you should check yeah. it out. <laughs> I'll um, put a, I'll put yeah. a link to that in the in the description too, if you want to go check that I'm- out. I'm a Max Scherzer fan, even though he pitches for the Mets. I think he's just, he's a different breed. He reminds me of, I mean, he's not afraid to pitch inside. Mm-hmm. He's intimidating on the mound. Like, he reminds me of those kind of old school guys like Bob mm-hmm. Gibson or somebody he, like that. You know, like, he's just, he pitches with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. He, he's a five pitch guy, too. Like, he's, yeah. he, he's, you know, he'll throw four seam cutter, two seams, well, just uh, sinker. Uh, slider, curveball, like he he has all of the pitches in his arsenal, and he yeah. he he will throw them at any given time in an at bat. Yeah, and he's been dialed in this season too. I mean, he's uh he's on a different level for his age. I think he's maybe thirty eight, thirty seven, thirty eight, something like that. He's not pitching. I guess he's smarter. Um, because I think that that's one thing. If Degrom could ever get to that point where you know, when he's on cruise control, you know, not to take pitches off or anything like that. But I think Scherzer is smart enough now in his career to where, you know, he knows how to pitch with a lead. He knows how to pitch in a tight game. He doesn't have to strike everybody out, but he knows, you know, he can save enough to where he has to reach back for something to get a big punch out or, you know, to throw that, you know, that devastating, you know, breaking ball to get a a ground ball double play whenever he needs something, he can do it. Mm-hmm. But he's not like maxed out a hundred percent like Degrom is. Like yeah. Degrom has to be. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, the biggest thing too for the Braves, though, the biggest the biggest reason why they would win the East is just because they've been there before. Mm-hmm. You know, the the core of the team. You know, you've got some young pieces up that haven't been there that are playing out of their minds right now. But the core of the team has been there before. They they were in the World Series last year. They played you know, through the stretch, they played through the playoffs. So they've been there. Um, I think, you know, Snit reminds me a lot of Buck Showalter up in New York. They never get, they never have the high highs or the low lows. I mean, I loved Bobby Cox because, I mean, the smallest thing could set him off. I mean, he was just, he was a cannonball. Like he would just get fired up and get thrown out of the game. Like Snit got tossed uh, a couple days ago. It was the first time he'd been thrown out of a game all season. Like Bobby Cox, I think at one point, Bobby Cox was getting thrown out of a game a week mm-hmm. if the team wasn't playing well. So yeah. um, I think, you know, Ron Washington too, that guy is just, I, I, I said last season, they were going to be lucky if they hung on to him and with the Rangers firing their manager. Um, I know he's he's been there before. He took the Rangers to a World Series at one point as a manager and he said he wants to manage again. So I would love for him to, you know, go off into the sunset as an Atlanta Brave. But I, I think that, you know, he uh, at third base, you know, his ability to kind of read when to send a runner and when to keep a runner in tight games down the stretch and in the playoffs, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you can't quantify how big 100%. that is. He, there's so many aggressive sends that he had last year. I believe Eddie Rosario was one of them. Uh, Eddie Rosario scored from second base on like a weak, like ground ball that got through the 
maybe he scored from first. I don't, I don't know, but it was, it was an incredibly aggressive send versus the Dodgers mm-hmm. and, and Eddie got in there, but um, yeah, he had a great one with Acuna. Uh, everybody makes a big deal. Acuna had a fantastic slide and he scored from first. Yep. Came inside home plate and managed to, uh, to scrape the inside corner of the plate, but Wash doesn't get enough credit because if you watch that whole play from the back, he was sending Acuna when he was halfway between second and third. Mm-hmm. He already knew he was sending him. Yeah. And so, I mean, Acuna was already flat out. And I mean, anybody who's followed Acuna knows the fact that if Wash had thrown up a stop sign, was he going to stop? Probably not. 50, 50, right? Like, yeah. he would run through a stop sign. But mm-hmm. Wash at least saw it enough to where he was just giving him the green light. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, I mean, some super aggressive sins. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't get a whole lot of runners thrown out at home. Yeah. Which big um and he takes calculated risks which Mm -hmm. is good absolutely so one thing that i want to bring to light is that there are three players currently on the braves roster and i could make an argument for maybe a fourth i'm actually not sure if he's a rookie or not there's three guys on the braves roster that you could make a solid argument for National League Rookie of the Year. I think the top three candidates are playing for the Braves right now. Um, yeah, definitely two. Definitely the yeah. top three. Yeah, so, I mean, I Vaughn Grissom, I don't think is going to be technically qualified, but he is on yeah. an absolute heater right now. D- just coming, coming up to the big leagues as a 21-year-old kid, I don't get what it is about this organization because they have guys coming up from double A that are crushing at the major league level. And yet yeah. the Tigers number one overall draft pick that flew through the minors last year started at first base. Spencer, Spencer Torkelton um, got his ass set down to triple a by the all-star break. And we haven't heard from him since. And it sounds like he's struggling down in triple a now just completely lost his confidence. So yeah. anyway, interesting, uh, interesting thing there, but the, the season that Michael Harris Jr. is having is is incredible. Like yeah. he he is such an asset with the glove. And, you know, to have a, you know, a center fielder who three months ago was playing in Gwinnett or not even Gwinnett, the, the Yeah, Missis- he skipped Gwinnett. Miss- he was Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, right now he's hitting uh two sixty eight with an OPS of eight thirty five. Um with I, I believe 13, 13 dingers, forty three RBIs, fifteen stolen bases. Yeah, um, he hasn't been caught. Hasn't stealing. been caught. Um, drawn fifteen walks. Um, th- this dude is a uh, he. I mean, he's uh, he's oh and, oh and by the way, he also has a bazooka cannon for an arm and has a handful <laughs> of assists throwing guys out at the plate. So like. Yeah. Of a five tool player that they just plucked out of their their farm system in Double A Mississippi. Yeah, and the Braves, you know, they've been they've been very strategic with some of the guys they've hit the the guys that they've hit on. They've been strategic on where they drafted them, when they drafted them, and they've gotten lucky too because uh, Michael Harris is a local kid. He's from Stockbridge, I think, and he signed that team friendly deal because I mean he didn't want to play anywhere else. He grew mm-hmm. up a Braves fan. I mean, he's like 15 minutes outside of Metro Atlanta. And yeah. Um, Vaughn Grissom, you know, comes from Florida, but, you know, Chipper came from Florida. I think they were around the same spot, you know, where um, he was drafted. So, you know, prime Braves country down there too. Riley, you know, grew up in Mississippi, which is also prime, you know, Braves country. Um, you know, you have to tip your hat to the, to the, to the development, but also at the big league level too, because Michael Harris, when he was in the minors, everybody knew he was going to be a plus defender in the outfield and anything that you got from him at the plate was just going to be what it was, but he's taken his game to another level. And there's enough of a sample size. You know, I've, I have a running gun battle with one of my best friends down here about Vaughn Grissom, uh, because I'm in, uh, I'm in a fantasy baseball league with ah, him. Nice. Fantasy baseball league was absolute trash. But I picked up Vaughn Grissom about a week before. Actually, no, I picked him up the night Arcia got hurt. Okay. Because I just had a gut feeling just watching him. The kid, when the kid was in double A, he hit back to back. He hit two grand slams in two consecutive innings. <laughs> he came up in the seventh inning and hit a grand slam. And then he came up in the eighth inning 
with the bases loaded and had another grand slam. So wow. There was just always something about the kid, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I picked him up because my team was garbage, and I was just like, hey, what if Grissom hits? Mm-hmm. You know, like I've got a I've got a free keeper, you know, for the next season. So um, it's been a it's been a funny uh, it's been a funny debate back and forth about whether Grissom is actually a keeper whenever he's played less than twenty games at the big league level, but um, you know, the thing that impressed me the most about Michael Harris was he got, he was very hot coming up at the plate. And then when the Astros came to town, the Astros just hammered him with breaking balls and he had, he looked terrible. I mean, and they were throwing good breaking balls. They weren't just throwing, you know, just a curveball just to get me over a curveball. They were throwing aggressive competitive pitches and he looked bad. And, uh, you know, I was, I was watching him, I was watching him hit and like, you know, baseball's a game of adjustment. So that was the trick for me. I was like, Harris is going to be the real deal. If a, you know, the, the organization is going to recognize the way that they're trying to attack him. And so the book is going to be out on him. So we're not going to try to be aggressive with fastballs. We're going to throw breaking balls at him. Can he adjust and hit breaking balls? And the pirates are the pirates. Yes. The pirates are terrible but we went to play the pirates right after the Astros Mm -hmm. and uh, the pirates pitcher, the first game uh, Contreras, I think, you know, good, good looking young pitcher, good live arm was attacking him with breaking balls and Harris stayed back. And first game, I think we won two to one. He had a two run home run on a breaking ball, stayed back. And when I saw that, and I think he got another hit too on a breaking ball. Yeah, He went oppo on that home run too. Yeah. So I was like, all right, Harris is going to be the real deal. If he's able to make those adjustments, you know, in real time, um, I have very high confidence. And I like Grissom. I love Grissom as a player. I think that it's, you know, it's very easy to get excited about kids, you know, that come up and, you know, are playing with their hair on fire. But there's so much information available nowadays. People can, you know, they have analysts upon analysts that study these kids and study their swings and their, you know, they track their bat and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. So, Eventually, they're going to make some adjustments to him because um, he's got a big, long swing. It's, it's a beautiful, natural swing, but he's got a big, long swing. Are they going to try to get inside, um, you know, and tie him up? Are they going to, you know, that's typically what they do with the younger kids. They yep. throw hard stuff in and then soft stuff away. Um, what they're doing to him right now is not working because um, he's having great at bats. He's extending the count. He's not chasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's not missing pitches whenever he does get a mistake. He's not missing them. So yeah. um, it's a really exciting time to be a Braves fan. And you've got Spencer Strider too. Yeah, you know? my my other rookie of the year candidate. And this is what this is what's so confounding too, because you've got Mike Soroka was the Braves ace whenever he tore his Achilles, and then he tore his Achilles again during rehab. Mm-hmm. He's pitching in AAA right now on a rehab assignment. So if he's even close to what he was mm-hmm. whenever he got hurt. Eventually, they're gonna um, they're gonna bring him up, and then what do you do with Spencer Strider? I mean, he's argued. I mean, he's definitely one of your top three. Mm-hmm. Is he one of your top two pitchers right now? Yeah. Um, well, it he, sounds like they've made the decision. Okay. Ian Anderson is in is in Gwinnett right now, so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if Soroka comes up if they um, if they decide to leave Ian down. By the way, this is this is a. Of something funny to mention. The Braves sent down a starter to to AAA that has ten wins this season. The Tigers <laughs> starters don't have ten wins combined this year. Yeah, Tiger Tigers. Uh, start, this is how bizarre this is. Tigers starting pitchers. There have been I think fifteen this year. They've had yeah. littered with injuries. Their their entire staff. Um, I don't think they may have ten wins combined. Their starting pitchers this year. Brutal. Yeah. So, but the Braves <laughs> sent down a guy to work on his command that that has a, uh, I think a yeah. ten and six record and a like a, but what's his ERA like? Um. Okay, Ian Anderson has a five ERA, so that that's not great. Yeah. But he's got ten wins because their offense is so good. Yeah, it's it's the it was the walks with him. That's the yeah, one his thing whip is one po- over one point five. Uh, the next yeah. highest on the team is a is a one point one. So, and that's yeah, Charlie. His command was not there. Snit has very little. He has very uh, a very big uh, threshold for patience for guys at the plate, especially mm-hmm. you know Marcelo's in being a key example. You know, continues to run the guy out there, and he's barely hitting two hundred but he has zero patience for pitchers that walk. Mm-hmm. Hitter. 
Um, that was the main thing that got Kyle Muller sent down last year. You know, he had great stuff. He looked electric at times, but big league hitters will, you know, they'll be pesky and they'll foul balls off and they'll work the count and you can't walk people at the big league level and be yeah. successful. It doesn't matter how good your stuff is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Max, Max Freed, um, being the leader of the staff with a, a two, five, two ERA, he's 12 and four Kyle, Wright. Um, Remind me, oh, that might be the first twenty-game winner in a very long time for Atlanta. A very long time, and I, I'm struggling to remember what he did last year. So Kyle Wright had he was, he was like a he was like a a borderline guy, right? He was taxi squad. There was, a, there was a I remember specifically there was a turning point game for him where um, it was at the point in the game where the manager typically pulls the starting pitcher and normally, you know, baseball typically, you know, pitcher gets two visits from the dugout. The second one, you're getting the hook. Yeah. First one is typically the pitching coach, either buying you some time while the reliever gets hot or trying to calm you down because yep. you, you're, you're a little out of it. Well, it was his first mound visit and snit comes out of the dugout mm -hmm. and snit basically challenged him. And was just like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to last at this level, you need to prove to me if you're going to be a starting pitcher and you're going to last at this level, you have to prove to me that you can pitch your way out of a jam. Mm. And we all kind of sat back and we were like, you're going to find out a lot about this kid right now. Mm -hmm. What, you know, what is he made of? Is he going to pitch his way out of this or is he going to fold up, you know, and continue to, you know, make bad pitches, you know, walk hitters, give up hits or whatever. And he pitched his way out of it. And that was a turning point. And I said it at the time, I was like, that moment right there is going to pay dividends down the road. And it has for him because he's been, he's been extremely confident. He's been efficient. I think he was at 73 pitches yesterday. Yeah. I think yesterday. He would have gone the whole game, but they, they, the Braves kept having such long top mm -hmm. half of the innings while they, cause they yeah. were putting up, they're busy putting up 14 runs that, yeah. you know, he, like there were, there were innings, there were 40 minute innings that, you know, he's sitting on the bench getting cold. So like oh. he, it, that would have been, it should have been the first complete game for a Braves pitcher this year. Cause I don't think one has gone the distance this year. Mm -hmm. I could, I could they be wrong about that, but yeah, they don't typically do that anymore. That happened. I mean, very normally, simple to believe. yeah, if they're throwing a no, no or a perfect game or something like that, um, they'll leave them in, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of, that was always the big knock on Ian Anderson too. Yeah. Even if he was cruising that, that second time. And then especially the third time through the order for him, just a nightmare. Yeah. After yeah. The Braves do have zero, um, zero complete games this year. Yeah. They're tied for ninth in the national league. Yeah. Kyle Wright was another one of those Vandy boys though. I mean, he and Dansby Swanson were both, you know, Vanderbilt, you know, top tier college baseball. Um, Another good, good, you know, local scouting and development win for the Braves. But I do specifically remember that outing. I forget who they were playing. It was a, it was one of those weird, just middle of the summer games, but it just had that feel to it whenever he came out. It, he was at that point in his season where he needed to prove something. Um, did they, he was did they, did he pitch at all in the postseason last year? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so. I don't remember it. You know, the, it's funny because the high I'm looking at um, Statcast, and you know one of the, the pitchers out of the bullpen with the highest ERAs outside of like, you know, Enoa, you know, has like a 13 ERA. He's thrown in like four games or something like that. Um, <laughs> one of the like the regular bullpen guys for the Braves this year. One of the who's the one that with one of the highest ERAs that you would say? Uh, I tell you, I think the week. Link in our bullpen right now is Dylan Lee. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure. I think his ERA has probably jumped. He was very good early in the season. He was the uh, he was one of the kids that pitched in the World Series when we were mm -hmm. we just basically were counting outs. Yeah, you know, Charlie Morton had broken his leg, and we were trying to figure out like how can we get some outs, you know, in one of these games and like save the pen. And they ran Dylan Lee out there. And of course, he wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he went like an inning and a third or something like that. Yeah. And Snit was like, all right, I've seen enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, he's got good stuff. I think um he's 
he's starting to give me, and this might be completely unfair to this kid because he's young and Will Smith is not young, but he's starting to give me big time Will Smith vibes. Yeah. Well, the guy that I was th- uh, that I was looking at was Will Smith because Will Smith yeah. is not on the team anymore. They traded him for o- Ord Rosie, but Will yeah. Smith had a four three eight. Um, Dylan Lee actually surprisingly surprisingly with a two seven two ERA. Yeah, and it was it's actually spiked the past couple of weeks. He's had a couple of really bad games. To me, Dylan Lee is a matchup guy. You know, he's left handed. He's got a good hook. Um, Decent competitive fastball, not overpowering, very much like Will Smith. You know, his fastball exists to set up the curve. Um, but I don't think that Dylan Lee is a high leverage guy. They've run him out there in some high leverage situations and he's folded up like a cheap suit every yeah. single time. Yeah. Um, so I still think that the core, you know, you've got Kenley, you've got AJ Mentor, Matzik is rounding back into form. You got Iglesias from the Angels. Um, if you needed a fifth high leverage guy, I would almost go with Colin McHugh for his experience over a Dylan Lee, just mm-hmm. because Dylan's young. I, I don't know if his arm is tired because he's never pitched, you know, a full big league season from the bullpen before, but, you know, Jackson Stevens is a workhorse. Um, Kirby Yates has been okay in spots. Um, I'm curious to see kind of what they do with him. I would love to see them pull a Kyle Muller up. Mm-hmm. for the postseason, but I'm very curious to see what happens whenever, if Soroka is healthy this season, if they move Strider to the bullpen, mm-hmm. because you could put Strider with that fastball and that slider in there. You could put him in like a Josh Hader, and I know Hader's been trashed this year. Yeah, There was a point in time for a couple of seasons he where Hader was the dominant reliever in baseball, mm-hmm. and I could really see the Braves trying to use him in a spot like that yeah. if they wanted to. Well, you can see so the as a starter too. So yeah, they you can see that the Braves are being very careful with Strider right now because there have been so like Snit's been giving them extra days rest, and they've been um, they've been very careful about not letting him go too long because they are concerned about his uh, you know potential arm fatigue. Yeah, um, yeah, so that's yeah. So you can definitely yeah. make an argument that that might be a good fit for him. You know, especially if you know. You get um, you get Soroka back in the next couple of weeks. You make that move now, and um, you have that flexibility, and you, yeah. you get you get some some of the weight off of his shoulders, and you know give Soroka a chance to get out there. Yeah, that's the 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 funny thing about this time of year too. Rosters expand, but the the Braves are going to be looking at a roster crunch before too much longer. If Soroka comes back healthy, Ozzy Albies is going to be back at some point. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do with Vaughn Grissom? Yeah. You can't let him hit. I mean, he's DH hitting him. over 400. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they've they've so. been DHing uh, Rosario lately, and he he's not hitting his weight right now. Yeah, he's not hitting well, but he's a better defender in left field, you know, than anybody else that they've got right now with Duvall's out for the season. I would um, say that, no, I, I, would put, I would put Grossman's glove out there with Rosario yeah, all true. day long. So that's true. And he's been a great pickup too. I think yeah. I think that, Oh yeah, the tri- the Tigers traded um they they got a whopping deal for that. I want to say like uh, you know, a single A player that uh, what what are we doing? And then he goes to the Braves and their analytics guys are like, "Oh yeah, we let's tweak your swing a little bit." And now he's back to where he was before. He had two home runs all the way up to the trade trade deadline and since he's been traded, he's hit two home runs for the Braves. Yeah, so. he's been, he's had some clutch hits too. He had mm-hmm. a he had a very clutch hit the other night against the Astros. And yep. Extra yep. Yeah. So and and he last year he was he was a stud for the Tigers. He had a great year. They signed they ex, they extended him, and yeah. this year he was a turd. So yeah, one of those weird one of those weird things. Some of those I guess some of those analytics guys looking at some of these guys that might be available to trade deadline and being like, hey, you know we might be able to get this guy for cheap and, you know, mm-hmm. tweak his swing and he might bust out. So, yeah, no, um, it's a, it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit there with, for him um, or for them with Duvall going down too. you know, he's mm-hmm. done for the year. He broke his wrist or he's having some sort of surgery on his wrist. Yeah. It's been a big ad. I mean, Duvall was not having a good season. Mm-hmm. 
that was the big that was the big problem with the lineup early in the year. They were hitting home runs, but they were striking out a lot. Mm-hmm. That's the big problem with Duvall. He strikes out a lot. Yeah. So, so anyway, what is your? So we've talked a lot, um, and we got to put a bow on this here pretty soon. But um, in your opinion, the Braves, as of right now, I don't think. Um, did the Mets play tonight? I think they do. They were off last night. Yep. So they're probably. I know the Braves are off tonight. Yep. So let's see here. So Cardinals. Um, they just got swept by the Yankees. Okay, the Mets won tonight. So Braves are two games back right now. Um, they have a three game or four game homestand against the the Rockies. Um, so two games back right now. About a little over a month left. Um, what are you thinking? Um. I think based off of what I've seen, very slim, I would say the Mets hang on. If you if you made me pick right now. Now again, there's some things that could happen that could make the Mets fall off. There's some things that could happen that, that can make the Braves fall off too. Mm-hmm. The Braves have battled through way more injuries. The Mets fans like to talk about the injuries that they've had. And they've, you know, they pitched, you know, a good portion of the season without DeGrom. That's fine. Um, the Mets are just built a little bit differently. The Braves uh, are a power team, and you know you can hit a home run at any point. Anybody one through nine in the Braves lineup can hit a home run. Yep, um, that's the big equalizer. But um, I would go with the favorite right now. I do like the fact that we have the last weekend of the season. We do have them at home, so I do think that that'll be. If things continue to trend like that, the Braves and the Mets will be playing for the East the last weekend of the season in Atlanta. Um, and if the Braves are within striking distance in that weekend, I would, I would give a slight edge to Atlanta, but based on where things are right now, the Mets have a much more favorable schedule down the stretch too than the Braves do, mm-hmm. um, which should help them out. And the Mets are a very good team. The Mets, these are not the same Mets that have folded up, you know, and lost leads or choked or done whatever in years past. Um, but I do think regardless of if the Braves win the East, the Braves are going to the playoffs. And based on the way that they're playing right now and they're getting Albies back, um, nobody wants to play the Braves in the playoffs. So. Yeah, I agree. It's very, my, so my biggest question mark is if Grisham is as hot as he is with the bat and he just continues. It's funny. When, when the game started, um, yesterday against the pirates um vaughn grisham i believe was hitting like 412 he, he goes he goes 0 for 5 and his average is down to a a a very cool 382 <laughs> so um you know he has one bad game the, the rest of his team is just going nuts and this this guy couldn't buy a hit but yeah. um but no it's just funny so i'm very curious to see if he stays hot albies comes back you know, Snit, it's a good problem to have, but I'm just very curious to see what direction Snit goes in. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a good problem to have. Um, it's not easy to play the outfield, but it's much it's much easier to play the outfield than it is to play second base. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so, but he's a, he's a shortstop. He's got a great arm, which will bode well for the outfield. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Braves do re-sign Dansby, that's, that's going to be his spot. They're going to have to teach him how to play left field. Yeah. Um, and then good luck, honestly, <laughs> if the Braves re-sign Dansby, they've got Vaughn Grissom in left field, teach him how to play left field, Harrison center, Acuna in right, Olsen at first, wow. Albies at second, Dansby at short and Austin Riley at third, like good luck beating that team day in and day out. Because That's, that'd be incredible. Here. You know, you know what I think happens though? If I, if I was a betting man, I would say if, if they are able to re-sign Dansby Swanson, yeah, Ozzy Ozzy is on the trading block. Wow, I could that, that I could see that happening. See. He he was not having a good season before he got hurt, mm-hmm. um, and but he is a he's a very good defensive second baseman. Yep, so, and that's the main thing. Dansby has always had huge uh, peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. at the plate historically. This is the first season where he's never really had that 
that long stretch where he can't hit his weight. And then all of a sudden he goes on the tear and you can't get him out. Yep. He's been very consistent this year, but his glove is just, he makes some of the most unbelievable plays at shortstop. He's so seen. smooth and he's so yeah. consistent. Yeah. Um, and he makes him look easy. Um, a lot of the plays that he makes it short, just mm -hmm. uh, his value is, you know, he's another one of those. He's kind of like Harris. You know, you've got a couple of guys up the middle. They're known for their defense. You get, you get 260 plus at the plate from them. It's all extra, you know, as long as they're not, you know, hitting 200 and getting arrested for DUI. Yeah, fine. pretty much. Yeah. We've got, we've got a sound drop for, um, for, uh, Ozuna. Dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy. Goodness. Yeah. Ugh. So anyway, well, that's a great way to wrap the show. The one sound bite that I had queued up, I waited till we were an hour and two minutes in. So anyway, <laughs> um, JK, can't thank you enough for joining the show tonight. Um, very excited to see how the rest of the season turns out. Um, you know, my you know what I would love to see happen is to see the Braves win game 163 against the Mets. How incredible would that be? That would be great. I would, I would love to see that. that. I would enjoy that. Any, anytime we beat the Mets. Good. I have some, I have some good friends that are Mets fans that have been talking a lot of trash this year. So mm -hmm. I think that this is their year. <laughs> uh, but. yeah, well, we'll see. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Have a great night. All right, buddy. You too. All right. See ya.